what happened in, in recent weeks is uh, uh, a function of what's been happening for, for many years here. So, uh, you know, trading, especially equity trading, in our opinion, has become commoditized. And like any product or service in either financial services or any industry, um, really outside of financial services, and as a product becomes commoditized, it tends to uh, see pricing pressure as well. And so as equity trading has really become a commodity, in our opinion, uh, you know, pricing pressure has been accelerating. And so you've seen you know, every several years, there's been pricing cuts um, you know, around trading. And most recently, uh, what we've seen is really over the past you know, few quarters, so last year or so, there's been a whole bunch of new entrants into the market with free trading offerings. And uh, you know, we wrote a report actually about a month ago, so this was prior to some of the cuts uh, that was titled, Is Free Trading Moving from an Aberration to the Norm? Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Pricing pressure on commissions isn't new in the brokerage space, but it does feel like it's accelerating. Just over the past few weeks, every major brokerage, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and E-Trade, eliminated commissions over a span of a couple of days. JMP Securities Managing Director Devin Ryan joins us on the show to talk about all the moves in pricing in the investment industry, and more importantly, where this is all headed. We discuss how investment firms will compete if not on cost, and what the impact will be of many new competitors in the space. Devin Ryan joins me today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to invite you to Tearsheet's latest event, the Embedded Conference. A big theme on this program and in our reporting has been how financial services are showing up everywhere, in B2B software platforms, in retail, in transportation, and travel. The Embedded Conference brings together financial services, fintech, and vertical industries looking to create new financial products. We've got a great speaker lineup. Register today by going to our website and clicking on the Embedded Conference button at the top right of your screen. My name is Devin Ryan. I'm a Managing Director and Senior Research Analyst for JMP Securities. Uh, I cover financial services and fintech uh, for the firm, which essentially is uh, helping you know, our institutional investor clients uh, find interesting stock ideas and educating them around uh, the industry and also working with a lot of public and private firms just around insights that we have covering, uh, covering the space for the last you know, 15 years. Have you seen the uh, acceleration of change? Um, have you seen change accelerate over the past few years? Uh, it's been an exciting time for the industry. I think you have uh, the public markets that we focus quite a bit on. You know, I've covered uh, you know the financial services space for for over 15 years, and really where we started was in the uh, you know the incumbent banks, and so. Uh, you know, over the last 15 years, there's been a pretty substantial change in the banking industry just around uh, pricing, uh, the types of products that, that people are focused on, and really evolution of the business model. And, and so, uh, you know, a big theme that we're talking about today is uh, the, the large cap uh, kind of public companies are, are really leveraging technology uh, and trying to move uh uh, downstream and focus on customers that historically weren't pr uh, profitable and that they couldn't really leverage with the infrastructure that they had in place. And so that's really led us you know, on this journey from a coverage perspective to parts of the market that are more you know, technology centric. And so uh, a lot of you know, my time is spent on you know, interesting businesses and, and companies that are in the private markets that are competing with uh, some of the big banks and investment banks uh, and wealth management firms that are called the incumbents out there. So there's been a pretty substantial change around the types of products that firms are focused on. There's been change around 
pricing. You know, we've seen kind of the the pricing wars uh, accelerate in, in, in commissions over the past, you know, even few weeks here. And so that's uh, something that's not new, but it, it really accelerated and something that you're happy to kind of go into more details on. And, and I think there's also, um, you know, changes around, you know, consumer preferences and, and options. And so that's led to, uh, you know, I, I think an evolution within the industry in terms of where firms are focused, uh, but also, you know, opportunity uh, for consumers to, to have access to, you know, financial product that historically, uh, you, know, the, you know, many didn't have access to. Um, so happy to, to go through any of that, but um, yeah, a lot of change over the last few years. Awesome. We're going to go through all of it. Uh, let's just start with um, free trading. So you, you mentioned that there's been some news over the past few weeks. Um, can, you, can you say what's, what's, what happened? And I guess then I'd like to take a little bit further about, get your thoughts about where this is all headed. Sure. So, um, you know, really what happened in, in recent weeks is uh, uh, a function of what's been happening for, for many years here. So, uh, you know, trading, especially equity trading, in our opinion, has become commoditized. And like any product or service in either financial services or any industry, um, really outside of financial services, and in, as a product becomes commoditized, it tends to uh, see pricing pressure as well. And so, as equity trading has really become a commodity, in our opinion, uh, you know, pricing pressure has been accelerating. And so you've seen you know, every several years there's been pricing cuts um, you know, around trading. And most recently, uh, what we've seen is really over the past you know, few quarters, so last year or so, there's been a whole bunch of new entrants into the market with free trading offerings. And uh, you know, we wrote a report actually about a month ago, so this was prior to some of the cuts, uh, that was titled, Is Free Trading Moving from an Aberration to the Norm? And the whole thought around that was highlighting all of the free trading offerings that, you know, have kind of propped up over the last, um, you know, last year or so. And, and the interesting thing about them is that uh, many of them have you know, strong you know, financial backing. They're, they're brands that, that people know. And I think that's very different than you know, the free trading options that have been out there for, you know, call it the last decade or so. I think a lot of people that we talk to, you know, their point would be, well, free trading has been around forever. So why is this time different? And you know, our view is that uh, it's very different because you have a lot of credible firms that uh, are out there today, you know, providing that as a capability. And, and the reason being is because it is a commodity and that's not, uh, really where the value add is in the customer relationship. And so over the past well, couple of weeks, you well, saw- Well, can I ask you something? Do, do you think, I know we have to be careful about mentioning specific names, but do you think um, the entrance of Robinhood in that space, private company, um, has, has, has added to that dynamic? Absolutely. I think you have to look at Robinhood's growth over the past few years and be impressed, right? The, the millions of customers, I think it's over 6 million today, uh, is impressive by any metric. And uh, I know that all the large incumbent firms, the public firms, are paying attention to that. And so uh, it's not just Robinhood. There's, there's a number of other firms that, uh, both large and small, um, that have come out with free trading offerings, and uh, they're growing. And so that's, in some ways, stealing a future customer from some of the incumbents. And I think that they're cognizant of that and don't want to be on the wrong side of this theme, especially, you know, to our point, as it's moving from an aberration uh, to the norm. 
And so uh, to, to kind of keep the, the thought going here, we're, we're evolving from uh, a, a business model where you know, historically trading uh, was one of the primary monetization mechanisms uh, for the industry to it being you know, a service or a product, if you will, that is, is just part of the overall customer relationship. And I think that uh, many of the firms in the industry that are going in the direction that we think is, is probably where we end up are, are focusing on areas that are less commoditized uh, and, and areas where they can really monetize uh, the customer relationship either through uh, advice, which in our opinion is much more of a customized personalized service and over time you know we've seen less fee compression around and we think that you know, firms that are in some way either through a digital channel or through you know human relationship providing advice uh, will be in a position where they can still you know have a, a you know robust kind of business model and opportunity to, to monetize a customer relationship uh, but but also uh, you know firms that are providing you know differentiated uh, service or platform more broadly and so it's not just about free and I think even for firms like Robinhood and some of the others that um, you know have been evolving you know their business model I think they appreciate uh, that uh, you know that that's becoming table stakes in and of itself and so therefore you need to have other capabilities or other connections to the end customer uh, you know uh, some type of experience that um, is differentiated uh, in order to uh, continue to be able to have a, a profitable business model. But the interesting point, and I think this is important, if you, even if you look at some of the firms uh, that, that have just moved to zero on, on commissions over the past few weeks, so Schwab is an example, you know, we went back and looked and, and we, our model goes back to uh, 2000. And if you go back to 2000, you know, their, their trading commission uh, was over $30 um, on average per share, right? Wow. And today it's zero. Well, back in 2000, their operating margins were, uh, were low. You know, they were growing the firm and expanding the footprint. You know, trading was, you know, call it 40% of, of overall revenues. Today, before they made the cut, it was roughly 6% or 7% of overall revenues. Um, and their operating margins of the firm uh, were, were pushing 50%. So, you know, I think that tells you that the industry um, understands that trading uh, is not kind of the main monetization mechanism and has already been evolving the business model to be able to make money uh, and serve the customer in different ways and ultimately you know, grow the franchise and, and grow earnings power. And so I think the good firms have been figuring that out, that they have to add a lot more capabilities because there's a lot of areas within financial services, not just trading, that are becoming you know, increasingly commoditized. Well, well, Devin, does it go so far as to say that um, – that e with the margin compression, cost compression, does does brokerage or just trading itself turn into a loss leader? I mean, not not only not making money, they, but they have to offer it just to be just as table stakes. Right. So in some ways, it's a loss leader. I think uh, you know no, nothing's ever completely free, right? The the old saying. And so um, there's other ways, even with trading, that firms um, you know are making money. So you have payment for margin. order flow, and that's still relatively profitable. You have margin. Uh, you know, some of the product manufacturers that are on the platform are paying a fee. Um, and then ultimately, you know, within every account, there tends to be some uh, percentage of that account that's in cash, and that can be very profitable uh, to the firms. But the actual trading function itself, 
Um, it really is the commodity. Um, there's, there's plenty of other areas within financial services that are becoming commoditized or are commoditized. We think that, you know, a number of areas within investment management, uh, you know, anything that kind of is, is hugging an index uh, is effectively a commodity. And so you're seeing a lot of firms give away, uh, you know, zero fee, you know, index funds or mutual funds. And, and I think that will uh, continue and you'll see more pricing pressure there. You know, parts of, you know, the custody relationship are, uh, commodi- commoditized. And so you know, all these things, uh, in our opinion, uh, are going to be effectively given away for very little or for free as, uh, to, your, to your point, kind of lost leaders in order to be able to do more with that customer. And so therefore, you have to have more products or capabilities uh, that, that you can deliver into that customer, uh, some of which hopefully, you know, there's still some uh, margin within so that you can you know, have a profitable uh, profitable business model. If you're relying purely on trading as a as a business in in you know today or even moving forward, that's probably um, you know not not the business model that uh, um, is going to have you know substantial growth or, or room for a lot of operating margin expansion. We think that you'll have to be able to deliver a lot more for the customer, and I think that you know a lot of the, the good business models are, are moving in that direction. We're seeing some really interesting developments around being able to do a lot more for the end customer, where you're really solving. Um, you know, something where you're, you're, you're optimizing the, the assets and liability side of their balance sheet. So the end customer is effectively getting uh, access to their own family office, all these capabilities to bring in outside accounts and, and really drill into every part of the asset side of the balance sheet and the liability side of the balance sheet and improve the asset yield and improve the liability cost. To me, that, that's where we're evolving towards, where you can provide a lot of advice around that, especially now that you can see you know, all, of the, uh, um, all of the financial assets uh, of the end customer. You can do quite a bit to, to help them and provide advice around that. So, so the data aggregation piece has, has I guess, influenced um, new delivery models within it, the advice side of the business. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, but, but are we going to encounter the same thing there? So, so we're, companies, you know, we see that it's a race to zero on, on trading. We're moving to advice. That's something you can monetize right now, something very valuable to customers. But isn't it just a matter of time before, you know, a new entrant slashes the prices there? Or is that something that has some type of, um, inelasticity. Well, I think that it's it's about how you deliver the advice. You know, advice. Uh, the reason I think firms can still charge, and the reason why financial advisors continue to have you know fee rate that that has not come under a lot of pressure is because it's a very personalized, fragmented relationship. You know, trading commissions get advertised on a billboard, right? Where you can see that what everybody's charging, and it tends to be kind of that rack rate that everybody knows. Uh, not many people could tell you what a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley is charging relative to a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch versus a financial advisor at uh, Raymond James. And so uh, there's a lot of nuance in that relationship. And it's also a personal relationship. Um, and, and advice tends to be much more personalized and, and customized. And so uh, absolutely, there'll be delivery mechanisms that have, you know, essentially a uh, maybe a low price point or, or the customer maybe pays nothing, but there'll be ways within that relationship for the advice provider uh, to, to generate revenues in our opinion. So we think that 
we are kind of going to this model where the aggregation uh, is a tool that allows the aggregator to see the financial picture of that individual, which is very powerful for that firm, but also very powerful for the, the end customer, because I think that's where you can really start to do work around optimizing uh, you know, the asset yields and the liability um, costs, if you will, for that end individual. So you're essentially providing a personalized family office, and some people are going to maybe have a quarterback or a human attached to that that's a financial advisor that can help um, do that in, a, in an efficient way and, and be a point of contact. In, in some ways, especially as technology evolves, I think there'll be um, opportunities for, for it to be a complete you know, digital relationship, and uh, it's providing uh, advice and providing a platform for people that historically had no access uh, to this type of advice or to this type of, call it, balance sheet optimization. And so, um, you know, that's where, you know, it's, it's one model, but we think that in doing that, firms that can deliver uh, either their own product or have um, relationships with product manufacturers across the asset and liability side, um, it, it, they're going to be able to be in a position where they can provide a lot of value for, uh, for the end customer. So in, in the few minutes we have uh, you know, at the end of this conversation, I don't want to let you go without asking you about your view on um, kind of the, the, the rise of, of of what we call challenger banks, these new digital only, you know, banking brands, they all seem to be interested in, you know, they started maybe with a monoline product, like a checking account, but they all seem to be rebundling banks and adding in new, getting closer and closer to, to mimicking a real bank. We talked about, you talked about moving upstream for some of these guys, but, and they all seem bent on, on issuing some type of product in trading slash advice, um, investment advice. Um, how do you see that playing out? Are, are, is this just kind of like, you know, just them, ta you know, adding on a new product? Are they going to be real competitors in this space? Like, how do you feel? How, like, how do you see this whole kind of market playing out? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, this is a big theme that we've been focused on, and it's kind of the convergence of business models and, and maybe where we started the conversation, where hey, the big banks are becoming uh, more like brokers uh, and, and, and offering the full suite of service uh, that, that many of the the kind of the the wealth management uh, and, and brokerage firms are offering, and um, and vice versa. The firms that started uh, as brokerages are effectively becoming banks, or many of the startups or challenger banks, as you as you call them, um, are evolving their business to provide a lot more capabilities to the customer. I think that that that's the convergence of the business model, but it also goes to you can't be in just one individual product. You potentially can be for a while if it's incredibly differentiated and there's a value proposition for the end customer. But I think connecting all of these products into one centralized area is very powerful. And so for the end and the, customer- And the data that they'll have on the customer to me, it's, it's mind blowing. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So that's, that's where you can really dig into being able to underwrite a, a customer and, and not to go on a sidebar here, but the, the aggregation tools, in our opinion, that provide this kind of holistic view of the customer will provide an opportunity for, to, to provide that customer um, much better access to financial product because they can be underwritten at a, at a level uh, that firms can feel comfortable if they're you know, offering, say, credit, for an example. Uh, if you can see that individual's 
uh, income and their spending and all their assets and all their liabilities, you can then potentially underwrite them at a better rate than they may get elsewhere uh, where, where that information is, is not packaged as well. And so I think that's going to be very powerful for the customers provide for the firms providing it, but I think also very beneficial um, to the customer. But um, back to your point around the, the challenger banks, I do think that it's an area where, uh, and we're seeing it today, many of the firms, even the called the brokerage firms that are adding these called high yield um, capabilities savings, on, yeah. on the bank side, savings, checking, um, that is that is going to eat into uh, over time, you know, the market share uh, of banks. And I think, you know, banks realize it, the, the challenges they have a existing uh, business model, they have an existing operating margin to protect. Uh, and so, you know, they're, they're only capable of going so far in terms of, you know, really, uh, you know, raising call it deposit rates for customers. But many of these uh, challenger banks are seeing a lot of traction uh, with their higher yielding um, you know, capabilities because they don't have the physical infrastructure to uh, to deliver. And so therefore they can deliver, um, in some cases they subsidize, but in other cases they can deliver um, uh, at, at a higher uh, rate to the end customer because they don't have that infrastructure. So that's a huge advantage. And so we do think that there is room for that to continue to evolve. I think that the firms uh, that are testing with banking capabilities are seeing uh, very good traction, and I think that will continue. So the more types of capabilities on the banking side that firms uh, can deliver to the customer, I think uh, the better, and that just goes back to this whole theme of having either your own product on the asset side of the equation and the, and the liability side of the equation, or being able to partner with firms that have access to that so that you're providing more of a holistic solution for the end customer that's helping them optimize their personal balance sheet. You know, call it their op optimizing their their personal and net interest margin. And I think that firms are starting to do that, and these capabilities exist today. But I think that that's incredibly powerful, and it goes well beyond the historical relationship between a firm and the customer, where you're helping them. You know, 20 years ago, buy a stock, and it was that was value added because that was the relationship. And then it evolved to you know financial planning, and let's try to optimize the you know, investment account relative to, you know, some benchmark. And today it's all about customized goals-based solutions that I think really help that individual optimize their entire balance sheet, assets, liabilities. And I think we even go beyond that and we can start to talk about uh, overall life advice and what other capabilities can these firms provide that are beneficial to the individual that may go beyond just their financial needs. And I think that's potentially, you know, bigger picture where we're evolving to where you're going to be providing more of you know, a life advice uh, relationship than than purely uh, you know opinions around certain investments or um, you know some type of uh, uh, call it uh, investment account. I, I can't help but finish this conversation and feel like wow, customers are are really well positioned. Costs are going down. The quality of the advice is going up. There are more competitors in the space. Like customers come out of this, I think, like golden, but. It just, it still feels like so competitive and, and just a, a race to the bottom for, for anybody competing in the space. It, just, it feels like it's getting hyper competitive. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it, I, I is. About it, it, it is. It, or, no. <laughs> it is. And uh, I, I think if you go back though, to the point around Schwab that we made, uh, if you look at their old business model and where they made the majority of their money, uh, you know, they were at a much lower level of profitability than they are today where that, call it primary monetization mechanism, uh, you know, has, 
has uh, almost gone away, and yet they're more profitable than they've ever been. And so the good firms find ways to add value to the customer and, and again, focus on non-commoditized parts of the relationship because that's where, uh, you know, the, the, I think the value is and that's where they can continue to charge. So there are a lot of firms that I think are identifying some of the things that we're talking about in terms of where the puck is going. And so uh, it will remain quite competitive. Uh, there will be, you know, some startups that I think have success and the ones that can uh, scale, you know, fast enough where they've been able to achieve kind of a level of, of scale of customer relationships where you can figure out ways to do more with them or many of the, the large incumbents, you know, are, are still, I think, in a very strong position because they've got good platforms. Now the customer is getting even more value uh, for, for a lower price point. Uh, and, and they and they have the customer relationship today where they can continue to find ways to do more with them. And so you know, I look at it a little bit like a barbell where you do have still some very strong incumbents that are in a good position to, to, to succeed. And you have uh, some, some startups, which is in a very competitive space uh, that, that will be in a position to succeed. But clearly, you know, everybody can't win. So the firms that, that do, in my opinion, are going to be the ones that can find uh, less commoditized ways to deliver value uh, to the end customer. And, and we're seeing a lot of interesting models uh, develop around kind of where we think the puck is going. So uh, we're pretty excited about it. And, and we spend a lot of time with um, you know, many of these private companies. Devin, it's been a very interesting conversation for me. Thanks for joining us on the Toshi podcast today. Thanks so much, Zach. Great uh, speaking.